This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. Ferns predate the dinosaurs. They have survived for hundreds of millions of years. The odds are also good that they can survive and thrive in your yard. Ed Lyon is here today to introduce us to the wonderful world of ferns. He is director of Ryman Gardens in Ames, which is an underwriter of IPR. Hello, Ed. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here today. And ferns are truly incredible plants. They are ancient, right? That's true. In fact, um, we called them prevascular plants. They hadn't even developed some of the um, systems uh, within uh, themselves to transport the minerals up and water up and uh, food down like the rest of our plants. So they had to rely uh, very heavily on sort of moist conditions, but many of them have adapted past that as well. How many varieties of ferns are there? Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, there's a, a, one of my favorite books is the Encyclopedia of Ferns, and it's pretty thick. So a uh, <laughs> wide number of species. And then uh, there's a certain number of species that have a uh, large number of cultivars, which, of course, our homeowners tend to you know look for that kind of variation within a species. Well, and you mentioned moisture. Moisture is really important to ferns, and we do think about them growing in really moist environments. Iowa is not the moistest (laughs) of environments. That is is true. Um, What what kinds of varieties can grow here? Uh, Well, probably the single largest species that you'll see people use is is the ethereum, which uh, that's our lady ferns. And that would include things like um, our our common lady fern, which is a native plant, um, but also uh, the Japanese lady fern. Um, in fact, you'll often hear it called painted fern uh, because one cultivar of that was the uh, painted Japanese lady fern. Uh, and then there's been many since, and that one's been very common. Uh, the second most common uh, group are probably the dryopterus, and the, they're the wood ferns, um, and they're huge as far as uh, selection availability. Um, but we have a, a large number of native ferns as well. Um, uh, we have a, like our sensitive fern, our royal fern, um, cinnamon fern. They're all native plants, and and to some degree, probably are fairly uh, familiar names uh, to the public. So in thinking about where ferns grow well in the environment that we have in Iowa, what, what is ideal? Shade. <laughs> all right. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I deal all the time uh, with people that uh, shade is an issue. Uh, it always seems to be a bigger issue than sun. Most people figure out how uh, to grow plants in sun. But, that, you know, a lot of our questions come with shade gardening and they're, of great friend uh, to the shade gardener, not just uh, uh, what they add to it as plants themselves, but from a design perspective as well. Um, I tell everybody uh, when you're designing, you want to look at contrasting your textures and your forms. Um, and uh, what I used right to start um, when I'm building a garden is two plants, hostas and ferns, and there's others that fit. Um, But they're the two uh, really biggest 
uh, differenti- differentiations in, in contrast. So you got the big, bold foliage of, uh, of hosta. You put the fine foliage of a fern next to it. You've already got that contrast. You've already got that visual interest. So just a combination of, of those two plants together. So uh, they, they just fit so well into a lot of the design work that we do. And there aren't a lot of plants out there with that sort of fine uh, lacy texture. Uh, so if, uh, they, they are just great for that. When you plant ferns in a garden, do they behave well? Do they stay put where you want them to be? All but three. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even then, I, I think many, many people, especially if they've had it or they do have it, uh, will recognize ostrich fern. And I actually like the fern. It is tall. Uh, it'll get at least waist high um, and beautiful form. It, it sort of comes up from a, uh, a, we call it an ascending form. It comes up and uh, almost looks vase-shaped. Uh, the problem is it will run. Uh, there's just no way around it. Uh, that very tall fern that you see around a lot of people's houses uh, that just masses so thickly, uh, that's ostrich fern. And one of the other issues is if it gets hot, uh, afternoon sun in the summer and it gets dry, it'll, it'll burn up and it doesn't look uh, very nice at all. It'll recover from it, but it sure doesn't look good. Um, there are also two other ferns that you don't see commonly sold, uh, bracken fern and hay-scented fern uh, that are natives. Uh, they are also two that if you happen to put in a garden setting, uh, setting will uh, probably uh, run rampant and you'll regret doing it. But in the same regard, as I was saying with the ostrich fern, there are uh, areas, particularly like on the north side of a house, uh, where you simply want a nice ground cover. You know, we're always struggling with what's a good ground cover. And a ground cover doesn't have to be uh, right low to the ground. It, it simply means it covers the ground uh, and, and helps um, keep weeds out. And boy, ostrich fern will do that for you um, if you're just looking for a, a big, bold plant uh, that will cover ground and, and you're not worried about it competing with other plants. Well, speaking of competition, I was reading about ferns yesterday and I saw a recommendation that, you, you know, you can grow it in sort of a wooded area and it will give the opportunity to have those spring wildflowers before the ferns come in. Is that, do they interact well with plants that way? They do. In fact, ferns are some of the last things to really start um, showing their growth in, in my garden. Um, and all of my spring bulbs have already come out. Um, in fact, they're probably in, in decline uh, by the time that the ferns uh, start coming up. And, you know, there's variations in the different species. But overall, um, they, they kind of sit there and wait a little bit. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, so they, they work very well for that, especially um, some of the very fine uh, foliage forms. Because, again, then they're not these great big robust plants that are trying to compete with uh, plants not quite as uh, large and robust. Every week on this show, we talk about some of the pests and diseases that plague plants. How about ferns with pests and diseases? Hey, that's one of the good points. I don't know of any. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's mostly cultural with ferns. Um, you know, the temperatures, uh, uh, certainly moisture content, 
Um, they're f- uh, most of them are fairly adaptable to soils. Um, so th- that's not even really a big issue. Um, but I really don't know of any pests and diseases. I, I simply don't have them in, in my own garden. And I, it's just not a big thing. So we talked about how if they get too much sun, they can kind of burn up and and shrivel up. Uh, what about water? If we have a really dry year, will they kind of disappear? Uh, they can, yes. Um, and they're doing that to protect themselves. Uh, and if it's a gradual um, sort of movement into dormancy, because that's what they're doing, they're going to protect themselves and go dormant, then they should be fine. And when watered, uh, again, uh, you, you know, you should start to see the growth. Um, I don't really want them to get to that point. I certainly don't want a chance uh, actually killing them. And certainly if you go through a really hot, dry streak and they dry up very, very quickly, um, then you know that they could very well be dying. They're, they don't have the time to actually go into dormancy. Um, you're actually killing them at that point. Um, but the rhizoma, they, they don't have true roots. They have rhizomes. Um, they're sort of waxy, and they're actually pretty uh, adapted uh, to conserving moisture, uh, which then helps them, too, if they, they go into a dormancy. I would probably make the analogy to, like, your bleeding hearts. Um, if you keep bleeding hearts watered all season long, they don't go dormant. Um, it's that heat uh, and sunlight that puts them into a dormancy. And the same thing with the fern. And, and some of them will and some of them won't. Uh, probably the most sun-adapted uh, ones that we're using right now are the Japanese painted ferns. Uh, they use them a lot as ground cover in the south. And they do tend to be uh, a little more of that sun and heat tolerant uh, than some of our woodland ferns. In the wild, ferns reproduce by spores. Um, if you want to propagate them in your yard, what method you, should you use? Well, I, it's actually not that difficult to do them by spores. And if you did a, a Google search, some people that love growing things from seeds, they would probably love the challenge of trying ferns from spores as well. But the average homeowner certainly isn't going to do that. That's, uh, it'll take a long time <laughs> to get a garden fern. Uh, ferns are easy to divide, so that's generally the way um, that you would uh, uh, get more out of your own garden. Um, so the, it, it, and it depends on the species. Uh, some of them will multiply fairly rapidly, and others you might have in the ground three, four years and really not um, uh, get a clump big enough that you'd actually uh, would want to divide. So it depends on the species. Ed, I'm not hearing very many downsides to, to planting ferns. <laughs> this, this seems like a pretty good plan. I think the biggest challenge, and because when I, got, <laughs> when I get into any plant, I've got to have every one of them, uh, you know, the availability. I think the biggest challenge for ferns is simply that most of your garden centers only carry a very limited number of species and cultivars. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I've noticed within like the last 10 years, almost all the ferns I'm buying, I buy mail order. Mm. Because if I really want that selection, if I really want some of these, uh, because ferns will, um, uh, uh, 
what's <laughs> the word's not coming right now. Um, uh, change genetically, uh, you'll get uh, mutate okay. uh, ra- fairly rap uh, easily, and we get all these really kind of cool forms out of them, uh, and, and different types of fronds and crested fronds and and colored fronds. But you, you just can't find that kind of availability unless you go mail order. All right. Ed Lyon is director of Ryman Gardens in Ames. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Aaron Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.